I'm still, there we go. Okay, so if you're watching online, you probably missed a lot of what I just said. Not sure when the audio cut out. Um, I think I'm loud enough that all of you are in here. I've been tracking with what I'm saying. We're preaching through the spiritual disciplines. We recommended two books for you. The Common Rule by Justin Whitmill Early and Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Um, please, I really recommend taking advantage of these, um, getting a copy, working through that um, by yourself, with your family, uh, with your community group. These are great resources. So this morning, the spiritual discipline that we're going to be focusing on is rest, the discipline of rest. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, around, you know, the beginning of this pandemic last year, as people were trying to figure out what their lives were going to look like and, you know, had, had very unclear expectations of how long all of this was going to last, I saw a lot of people on social media talking about all of the, uh, all of the you know, books or movies or projects that, you know, they just didn't have time for, that now that they're working from home, they're going to have time for. And this, this pandemic season, however long it lasts at the time, a month, right? Uh, it's going to be super productive for me. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and uh, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to make the most of this time and be very productive. Um, I don't know very many people who actually accomplished that, both because the pandemic ended up being very different than what we had at first expected, and you know, as we still are distanced and wearing masks here today, it just is an illustration of our lack and limit of knowledge. Um, but furthermore, it's an indication of our idols as a culture and as a people. The idols of productivity and optimization are things that rule our lives. And a, and a situation, a global pandemic that confronts us potently with our limitations is something that we're tempted to see as an opportunity to do more. Maybe you didn't feel that way when, when this all this happened. I, I did observe this and was tempted to feel this way myself, even as I look back on, you know, what did I do through the, throughout the course of that year when those, all, those, all that extra time at home? Um, and I, I want to be able to, to justify it and say, well, well I, was, I was extra productive and I did this and I did that, but I, I'm not sure that I can. The Bible gives us an antidote to this. Because it's true that our culture is particularly susceptible to those idols, but it's also true that these have been idols for human beings since the fall of man. And so, in the Ten Commandments, in the book of Exodus, as God establishes his covenant people of Israel, he gives them this command in Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you have a good memory, um, you'll remember that a year and a half ago, um, almost two years ago, we preached through Exodus and the Ten Commandments, and so some of what we said about the Sabbath then will sound familiar to you this morning. Um, that's good. We need to be reminded again and again of God's purposes and will for us in his creation. The things that really stand out to me in Exodus chapter 20 are that 
One, Sabbath is grounded not in our sinfulness and a need to correct it, but in God's good purpose in creation. Why did God bless the Sabbath and make it holy? Not because we're sinful people who need this commandment, but because he rested. Before there was sin in the world, God worked and rested. There was a rhythm, a holy, purposeful rhythm of work and rest. God created human beings to live and thrive within that rhythm. And so God does, though, have to command this. You'd think that rest would come naturally. You'd think that this beautiful gift would be something that um, we, we received with, with pleasure and without need for, for instruction uh, and, and insisting. And yet, uh, the command to remember the Sabbath is repeated so, so many times throughout the Old Testament and is a concern within, for, for in Jesus' ministry and the ministry of Paul as well. Because, as I said before, for all of our history as a fallen people, the idols of productivity, optimization, doing more, have been a problem for us. So we need this to be commanded, but it's not commanded because we're broken. We don't need to rest because we're broken. We need to rest because that is God's good purpose in creation. He invites us into what he is doing. The third thing that I really see in Exodus chapter 20 is that the Sabbath is a communal activity. This is not about me and just getting, you know, myself some sleep so I can get back to work the next day or taking a good day off. It, it really takes pains to express this. Not you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Foreigner people who are visiting, who are resting with you, who are seeking shelter with you, who are, you know, merchants who are coming through, anybody. This is for everyone. And so, when we as Christians look to practice rest and keep the Sabbath, these three things have to be kept in mind. One, that it needs to be commanded, that it is a, it is a command from God. That it is God's good gift that is rooted in his creation purposes and that it is a communal activity. And so Christians traditionally have celebrated Sabbath on Sunday, calling it the Lord's Day, recognizing the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead on this day. Paul is careful to give Christians freedom in when they practice certain events. Paul is reacting to a situation in the early church where Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians were unsure of how much of the Jewish rituals and traditions they should continue to practice or not, and whether to require every Christian to practice those. And so Paul is very, very strong on having freedom as Christians, liberty from restrictions. And yet, we, in our time and culture, have a very different context and problem. I can count on one hand the number of Christians and churches I've known in my life, and I've been in the church and, and various ministry my whole life, I can count on one hand the number of Christians and churches I've known who were too legalistic about rest and the Sabbath. No, we use our liberty to not practice the Sabbath and to not rest instead of using it to rest and to practice in a way that is contextualized to our culture or to our family or to who we are. 
No, we have liberty, but liberty is for our good. And the wisdom, and again, the creation purpose of the Sabbath cannot be ignored. Again, this is a command from God, even if we have some freedom on how to practice it. Finally, before we continue into what rest is like and how we can practice that, Jesus taught about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus reflects and restates what Exodus teaches. He doesn't change the commandment. He clarifies it. He brings, he brings, yes, he brings clarity to it, what I'm saying, right? Sabbath is a commandment, but it was made for us, not us for it. It is a gift, it is God's grace, and it is a blessing to us. And in all things, Jesus is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So Jesus' teaching, the commandment of Exodus, the clarification of Paul about freedom, these things come together to inform how we, t- how we treat the Sabbath. But now we actually have to do it. We have to rest. So here are some things, some clarifiers about what rest is and is not. Rest is not just me time. As I said earlier, it's communal. So when I am frustrated or exhausted with my day, I might put down my phone or, or, or book or leave my desk or whatever I'm doing and just sit. And I'm basically what I'm doing is I'm just turning off my brain. And that is certainly a form of rest. But that doesn't capture all of what rest is. It is not adequate. If that's all we think of is rest is a moment for me to turn my brain off, to veg out. Uh, We're not getting all of what the Bible has for us. And again, we're too focused on ourselves. So rest, as I've said a few times now, is communal, right? God wants us to rest and to worship to keep the Sabbath holy. Rest is something that we do with God, with our family, and with our community. Especially if you're, like, for Katie and I right now, as a family— we, if I'm resting, I'm trusting that while I rest, Katie is at work to care for our daughters. And if Katie is resting, she has to be able to trust that I am at work to care for our daughters. We have a, a almost one-year-old, Abby, and she, uh, she needs constant attention, unless she's resting. And in the, in, the, in the every now and then, when we finally get Abby and Lizzie to nap at the same time, then Katie and I can both rest for a moment together. But that is just an illustration of how this works. If you're resting, you are acknowledging and trusting, even if you're not conscious of it, that someone else is taking care of the things that need to be done in your home and 
throughout the world, right? We, we can rest because of how our community is set up. We have institutions, and um, they have institutions that protect us and, and guard us, give us that ability. Like, how many times have you thought about what you would do if there was a fire in your home, right? You have rest and peace of mind because you trust that our fire department is up to the task of protecting and caring for you. This is true of so many things in our lives. So rest is a communal activity, and we need each other in order to rest. Rest should be informed by our work. This is one that you might remember if, we, if you remember our sermon on this before. There's a great Jewish scholar named Abraham Heschel. He has a, book, a, a short and wonderful book about the Sabbath. He says, a man who works with his mind should Sabbath with his hands. And a man who works with his hands should Sabbath with his mind. I, I find this to be true. Most of my work is with my mind. I'm talking to people. I'm writing things. I'm emailing. I'm praying. This is mental work, if it seems like work at all. Um, and what I find to be restful is not, not really that, you know, sitting down and turning my brain off, but in cleaning, household chores, mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, these things bring me a peace of mind that just sitting down and, and turning off doesn't. Because I need, I need, by working with my hands, I'm able to give my mind rest. And maybe you're in the opposite situation where, where your work is very physical and you are bone tired at the end of the day. And maybe you can sit down in a chair, read a book, and that helps you go to sleep, right? You, engaging your mind and disengaging your body allows you to rest. Rest requires us to, to know ourselves, to listen to what our bodies and our minds are telling us. We have limitations. We need to understand them and then rest in a way that is consistent with them. Rest is necessary when we do not deserve it. Just a moment, we'll be talking about Jesus' connection of rest and forgiveness. But I think that that's, that's something that I, that I really struggle with. I'm, I'm always, there's always another thing to do, right? The, the to-do list is endless. And even if the things left on it are not as important as the things that I've accomplished, they're still there. And I just, even if I am resting, even if I'm not working, they're there in the back of my mind. And some of us have this much more than others. If we treat rest as something that we earn, we'll never do it. Because you'll never earn it. You will never fully deserve to rest. And so if you feel guilty over it, you should give yourself grace, receive grace from God, and obey him in resting. Resting is necessary when we can't afford it. And this is another way in which rest is communal. Some of us have been in situations, especially in the past year, where our work has been threatened, changed, or lost. People have lost jobs, they've changed jobs, um, they've switched to jobs that they're less satisfied with. And it's hard to rest when you know that your family needs food, they need a place to live, they need security. 
And so it is our responsibility as a community, both in our families and in our church, and with our neighbors, to make it possible for those who work to rest. Again, the commandment in Exodus includes, yes, your sons and daughters, your servants and your slaves, and your animals, your livestock. Everyone, everything in your community needs to rest. And in order for that to happen, you have, you have got to plan, prepare, and be intentional. Right? Rest is something that sort of like you get to the end of the day, you're tired, and so you lay down and you go to sleep. But the rest of the Sabbath, the rest that the Bible is encouraging us towards, is not something we can just run up to, find, and then collapse in. We, we need to plan to be intentional, to think about what our family and our neighbors need, provide that for them, receive that from them, and rest together. The Sabbath is God's good gift, and the Sabbath rest is worship. Sabbath rest is worship. As I said earlier, like when I'm resting, I trust that Katie is at work. When she rests, she can trust that I am at work. This is what Justin Wimmel early says about that in The Common Rule. In the deep stillness of habitual Sabbath, the truth of the world begins to sink in. You are not necessary. That's the beauty of grace. In Sabbath, we realize that even the most important of us can disappear, and the world will go on, but if Christ, the sustainer of the universe, were to disappear, everything would fade away. Whether we acknowledge it or not, when we rest, we trust that God is at work. Yes, we can trust our families. Yes, we, can tr we, we should be able to, I hope we can, trust our institutions. But ultimately, those things can fail us. God is the one who is at work while we rest. He sustains the universe and everything in it. And so when we rest, we worshipfully acknowledge that truth and we surrender our idol of productivity and, self, um, and selfishness to God and to Christ. Jesus invites all of us to rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rest that Jesus offers is rest for our souls. The Bible will often use rest as a metaphor for our eternal hope in the new heaven and the new earth. We will enter into God's rest, a seventh day of creation that never ends. That's the hope that we, that we cling to and look forward to. That is the hope that Jesus offers here. There are times in our lives where our work or our situation, maybe a crisis that we are in, is unrelenting. And we cannot rest because we are working to survive or because we are anxious or because we are, um, because, or because we are struggling with our own failure or sin. Think about 
a time in, in your life where you have felt convicted, when you've known that you have done something that really was wrong, and you experienced guilt. How hard is it to rest? Right? That's what we say. How can you sleep at night? How can any of us sleep at night without coming to Jesus and taking his yoke on us? Jesus promises that even when our bodies cannot rest, even when the world seems out of our, is, and especially out of our control, and our limitations are more tangible and palpable than they ever have been, there is still rest that can be found in the knowledge that we did not deserve the gift of rest or of salvation, and yet Christ has lavished it, generously given it to us. The peace and hope of the resurrection of the new heaven and the new earth, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus that accomplished that, is always a source of peace and rest for our souls, no matter what the world throws at us. I want to close with a quote um, from Adele Calhoun's book, Invitations from God. This is a book, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and More. I, I appreciate how she is exploring some of the spiritual disciplines that we may not, may not make it to the top of our list if we were to put them together. And this is what she has to say about rest. It is not enough to know that God made the Sabbath. It's not even enough to believe in the giver of rest. To have rest, we must not neglect it. We have to stop. Lay all that deadly doing down. Enter the unforced rhythms of grace. Repent of all the self-justifying and fig-leaf-making work, both good and bad, that keeps us depleted, exhausted, distant from God and others, and running on empty. Risk entering Jesus' rest so that you can learn what it means to live freely and lightly. The prophet Isaiah put it like this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Isaiah warned his people against neglecting the rest of God. May we heed that warning and receive the good gift that God has given us. May we practice it, and may we, with loving hearts, be attentive to the needs of our family and our community to provide rest for others when they need it and when they can't have it on their own. Let's pray together. God, you created this world beautiful and very good. And when you did so, Lord, you created us, human beings, and invited us into the very good rhythms of work and rest. Lord, those rhythms were broken. As a result, we live outside of that holy and blessed rhythm. And yet, Lord, by your grace, you have instructed us, commanded us, and also given us grace through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived and who, who was himself Lord of the Sabbath, who fulfilled the law in, in what he taught and how he lived, who died an undeserved death for our sake and rose again from the dead so that we may also 
rise from the dead, and enter into your rest as you have promised and as you desire for us. As we await that day, Lord, help us daily and weekly to practice the discipline of rest for our own sakes as a wise way to care for our minds and our bodies, but all the more as an act of worship to you and an act of love for our family and our community. Help us to do this, Lord, for the sake of your glory. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We're going to close with a few verses from